Hey, welcome to the Northside Church Podcast. Our prayer is that God speaks to your heart through these teachings and these messages that are coming out of this house. Our prayer is that you're inspired, encouraged, and convicted by God's Word. Again, thank you so much for tuning in today. Let's get into the message. Well, good morning. What a beautiful Lord's Day. And to hear these voices up here singing praise to the Lord just blesses me. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 18 this morning. Jeremiah chapter 18. I'll have to be honest with you, this is not what I had studied this week. God changed the whole direction of this service on me yesterday morning. I thought about it all day yesterday, kind of prayed about what God wanted me to do. Woke up early this morning and it kind of came together. And so I hope and pray it will be a blessing to you. Jeremiah chapter number 18, if you're taking notes, the title of our study is The Potter. The Potter. I want to make an opening statement before we read our text. Those who find themselves in the process of the potter find themselves in a unique position. And at the same time, an unparalleled pursuit. If you find yourself in the process of the potter, you are in a unique position, and at the same time, this unparalleled pursuit of being what the potter wants you to be. Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 1. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Arise and go down to the potter's house. And there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house. And there he was working at his wheel. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hands. And he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to do. The doctrinal point of this statement is very simple. God can do with us whatever He wants. This is what it means to be God. God can do with me whatever He wants. God is free to do whatever He pleases in His hand. Rest power. Rest ruling authority. Control. Aren't you glad God's in control? In His hands is kingdom government. And in His hands, dominion. The parable of the potter. The Bible is compiled of different genres. In order to clearly understand the Bible, if you're a Bible student, you have got to understand the genres of the text. You can't just jump off into a text and just assume that it means this. You've got to get the genre in order to get a correct interpretation of the Bible. Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 through 4, the genre is a parable. This is a parable. What is a parable? It's a simple story. It's a simple story used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson. 
Just like Jesus used in the Gospels. But in the case of the potter in Jeremiah chapter 18, we have a simple story we find in the Old Testament. In the prophets, it gives us a moral and spiritual lesson. So the question that we seek to answer this morning is this. What spiritual and moral lesson do I learn from the potter? What do we learn from the potter? Jeremiah the of Israel has been commissioned by God as his messenger to the nation of Israel. This was not going to be an easy task for Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 1 verses 5 through 10, Jeremiah's call. And right in the middle of that call, this is what God tells Jeremiah. Don't be afraid of them, Jeremiah. I mean, his call starts out with a negative. Don't be afraid of them, Jeremiah. And if that's not bad, then he tells him in chapter 7 verse 27, so you will speak all these words, but they're not going to listen to you, Jeremiah. Jeremiah becomes so discouraged. In chapter 20, verse 9, he said, I'm never going to say his name again. But then he says, but his word burned in my heart, and I could not stay. So the Lord gives Jeremiah a parable. He said, Lord, Jeremiah, I'm going to give you a message. If you're a preacher, this is what you're looking for. This is what you're looking for when God gives you a message. Just like this morning when I woke up and sat down, God said, it's what I want you to preach to your people. God tells Jeremiah, I'm going to give you a message concerning the potter. You see, in the book of Jeremiah, God is reaching out to a nation. He's reaching out to the nation of Israel. He loved them. And God wanted the very best that He had for them. He wanted them to change their life. He wanted to change their ways. He sought reform for this nation. But they continued to ignore Him like we do. They rebelled and they were obstinate against God. I'm so thankful that you and I do not seek change like God can change us. See, in our attempts to help people in the process, we do more damage than we do good, y'all. You see, in our attempts to change people, to help people, we remove the risk. We remove the danger that is in change. Like caged animals, we shove people in an environment that is boring and Deprives them of the freedom that they need to really change. It's a caged place. It's a tame place. It's a predictable place. It's a safe place that we like to confine people to. We tame people in the name of Jesus so we can control people. But Jesus did not save us to make us safe. He saved us to make us dangerous. Jesus told His disciples, Behold, I'm sending you as sheep in the midst of wolves. So I want you to be shrewd as a serpent, but innocent as a dove. You know what Jesus is telling His men here? I want you to be subtle, but I want you to strike at any time. 
I want you to be compassionate. I want you to be gentle. I want you to be peaceful. But I want you to be dangerous. Be a snake, but be sweet about it. See, the will of God isn't an insurance plan, y'all. It's a dangerous plan. And so here's the pathetic truth that we must come to terms with. The white noise of our culture right now, this confusion that we have funneling into our lives, and coupled with the silence of the church, has left a bunch of insecure and unsure people. And there's nothing more pathetic when God's people are insecure and unsure of what they believe. So what does God want to do with me? I believe this is a great question. What does God want to do with me? I think every Christian has asked this question at some point in their life. You may be asking it right now. What does God want to do with me? This might be the question that brought you to church this morning. What does God want to do with me? And I think I'll go to church and find out. So you might be sitting here and you're not feeling much like your life is too appealing to God for him to do anything with. Now, I think we've all felt that. Why would God want to do anything with me? Maybe deep inside, you say, I'm a far cry from really seeing my life ever amounting to anything, Scott. The message of the potter is not to belittle us. The message of the potter is not to bash us. The message of the potter is not to diminish what God sees in me that I do not see in myself. The intention of the message of the potter is to release what screams in me to set me free. Uncage me from my fears. Uncage me from my doubts. Uncage me from my questions. and Uncage me from my uncertainties and my insecurities and what I'm unsure of. The message of the potter is this. God is in control. And can do anything He wants. Even with somebody like me. So the message of the potter. God is a message to Jeremiah. God has a message for us. A simple message, y'all. A relevant message. A message for today. In the potter. A much needed message. About a lump of clay. Let's go down to the potter's house. And learn from the potter. So if you're taking notes, I, wanna, I want us to note this morning the process of the potter, and it comes under three headings. And number one is this. We find it in verse number three. God can and God will make a difference in your life. God can and God will make a difference in your life. Then I went down to the potter's house. And there he was making something on the wheel. 
God wants to do something with you. God wants to do something through you. Before God can do anything with you and before God can do anything through you, God must do something in you. This is in two stages. Under number one, you could put letter A or whatever you put, however you take notes. We're a note-taking bunch around here. Write this down. God has to find the clay. The potter has to pull clay from a worthless environment that it's been accustomed to existing in. You see, you cannot be a Christian and live in an environment that is poisonous, live in an environment that is polluted. God has to pull you out of an environment that is detrimental to your life. And the potter leaves the house and goes to where the clay is. God has to find you. God is driven by this unswerving love for you. An unchanging love. He is bent on finding you. Jesus said in Luke chapter 19, For the Son of Man has come to seek. You know what Jesus is doing today? He's looking for clay. Jesus is looking for clay. God knows where He will find you. God knows what He will find when He finds you. Ugly, dirty clump of clay. But God is not detoured, detoured by our dirtiness. He's attracted to it. Amen. In Romans chapter 5 verse 8, but God demonstrates His love toward us and while we were at our worst, God was doing His best and loving me to Himself. See, dealing with dirt is smelly. Dealing with dirt is messy. It's not easy. But it's essential. If the clay ever hopes to be anything, you've got to have the potter come look for you. It's smelly. It's dirty. It's messy. If I ever hoped... To be more than I am right now. The cross is the only answer I've got. You see, we will never be formed into more than what we are until we've been found. Write this down. God has to find the clay, but God has to work on it a little bit. Did you note verse number 7? Let's let the text speak to us this morning. Look in your Bibles if you have a Bible. If not, somebody next to you share with them. I want you to see this. Verse number 7. If at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up, break down, and destroy it. Note those three little processes there. There's a sequence there. Pluck up, break down, destroy. And if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I intended to do it. And he kind of repeats himself. See, you just don't become a priceless vessel. Look at me. There's pain and there's pressure to the process. You just don't become a priceless vessel. There's pain and there's what? Pressure to the process. Let me put it to you in simple vernacular. God has to pound on you before he begins to form you. So you have to go through it in order to be changed into it. And you can't get out of not going through it if you ever hope to be made what God wants you to be. 
See, the creative work begins when change, the changing work begins. Go through the process. Before clay is in the position to be used, it must go through the process of pain and pressure. You know what God says? I want you to feel this in order to appreciate it. The problem is we want to be numb to it and still appreciate it. And God said, no, that's not the way this works. You feel the pain. In order to do what? Praise me for the pain. You feel the problem before you start to praise me for the problem. The potter will trample the clay into powder, y'all, when he finds it. He'll make it, he'll reduce, look at me, he'll reduce it to its lowest form. <laughs> and then he adds water. And then he begins to work that clay and soften that clay and make that clay pliable in his hands. Don't you dare begrudge what God's doing in your life. Because what he tears down, he will rebuild. He's just got to get it down to its lowest form first. And see, the lump is thrown on the wheel. Get this. This is amazing. Before he ever starts to shape it, he'll throw that clay on a wheel and spin that wheel as fast as it will go. And whatever's in that clay that doesn't need to be in that clay, that the potter doesn't want in the clay, comes flying out of the clay. So it becomes what? Pliable in his hands. Some of you right now, you're sitting in this church, you're like, man, life is spinning out of control. That's just the way God wants it. Because He's wanting out of your life everything that He can't use to make you into a precious vessel. That's a word today for you. You say, my life's spinning out of control. Just hang on. Just grab something and hang on. It will stop eventually. And whatever's in there that God doesn't want in there is coming out of there so He can make you into a vessel you never even imagined. Unwanted pieces. First the pressure, then the process. Jeremiah 18, 11. So now then, God said, Speak to the men of Judah and against the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, Thus say the Lord, Behold, I am fashioning calamity against you. Why? Because I need you to turn back to me. Extremes are necessary. For expectations to be reached. God has to change me. Before he can ever begin to transform me. Spiritual formation loved ones. Is not some ecstatic high that we kind of ride. But spiritual formation is grind. It's where God forges you in the fire. When you don't fit the design, God has to deform you to reform you. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. See, look at me. Before you get any of the new things, you got to get rid of some old things. God said, before I give you any of these new things, i got to get some of that old stuff out of you. God has to get rid of the old things. So the person I used to be, don't miss this will often surface in the process of me becoming the person I need to be. Now, did you notice I told you to take note of three phrases, did I not? What were they? We find them in verse number 8. I mean, verse number 7. Pluck up, break down, and destroy. Right? 
First of all, he said, I need to pluck some things up. God has to pull out of you habits and hang-ups. you got to pull it up. i got to uproot that stuff. Who, who in this church don't have any hang-ups? Come on, y'all. God said, I need to get them out of you. Habits? Yes. The second thing he said was, what? I need to break some things down. Strongholds, patterns of thinking, attitude, pride, resistance. I need to pull them down. Then he said, I need to destroy. What does he need to destroy? Your will. Because your will is so bent on doing its own thing. God said, I need to pull this self-reliant, self-seeking, destroy it mindset. So you'll what? Conform to what I want. Number two. You're taking notes. God does not discard the clay because of deficiencies. Look at verse number four. Let's let the text speak to us this morning, loved ones. And the vessel he was making spoiled, was spoiled in the potter's hands. And he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter. God will, look at me, somebody needs this. God will and God does give second chances. God is a God of do-overs. Remember when you was young, you playing ball, you missed the ball or something, you say, I, I want a do-over. God said, yes. We are so constantly reminded, y'all, it's a good word. We are all Aren't you glad the Holy Spirit knows more what we need than what we think we think we need? We are so constantly reminded of what we are not. And the devil makes sure of that. And he also constantly reminds us of our mistakes and our failures. We can never get past what we've done. We can never get past who we used to be. And we are depleted of the energy that is what the enthusiasm that we need to move forward out of that. You see, I'm going to tell you what we need. We need growing room. But see, too often we're stuck in plexiglass boxes. No room to move, but everybody can see. Number one, if you're taking notes under this heading, God does not discard because of deficiencies. It's tough work working with clay because why? This is a good place for an amen. Clay is so unpredictable. <laughs> it, listen, if you wouldn't stand up and say, oh me, amen. We're so unpredictable. See, when it comes to shaping clay, there's numerous variables that kind of play into this thing. See, if clay's too dry, look at me. If clay's too dry, it falls apart in the potter's hands. If clay is too wet, it will never take shape in the potter's hands. If clay's too sticky, it resists the potter's hands. What the potter needs, here's a good spot for an amen, is clay that is just right. The potter must start all over again. 
Some of you are in this church right now and you're like, I wish God would give me a second chance. You say, I'm falling apart. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not seeing my life shape up to much of anything right now. I've kind of got this mad spirit about me that I don't even want to change. I want to stay stuck. That's what sticky people do. They stay stuck in their anger. They stay stuck in their doubt. And you're like, I wish God would give me a second chance. He will. He will. See, when it comes to shaping clay, there's so many variables. But the potter, my friend, would do what? If he has to do it, as often he has to do it, he will start again. He doesn't tell you to go back to A so you can make it to C. He said, let's just pick up where we left off and go. You don't have to go back and make amends to heaven. God said, get up, dust yourself off. I'll give you another chance by the grace of heaven and my friend, the mercy of God. Let's move. Second chances. Second chances. The potter will do this as often as he has so he can get clay that's right. The potter will do this as often as he has to make that clay pliable. Now here's a, here's a thought that I think all of us could really associate with. There will come moments in our life that we wobble on God. You say, what does that mean? Well, let me share with you what that means. There are moments when the clay is on the wheel. And all of a sudden, as a potter's got his hands on the clay, the clay begins to wobble on that wheel. For some reason, instability all of a sudden out of nowhere, wobbling, wobbling, wobbling. And here's what it is. Clay having a hard time dealing with the pressure begins to wobble. Clay that has those, my friend, faulty characteristics about itself. That old self begins to surface and we begin to wobble. Wobble moments, loved ones. See, there's moments when the clay begins to wobble on the wheel and God has to start all over again. There's moments in our lives when, my friend, those wobble moments, those inconsistencies, those imperfections become, what, my friend, the means of instability. We don't pray like we used to. We don't read our Bibles like we used to. We're not as faithful to church as we used to. Our faith is wobbling. Our trust is wobbling. Because of why, my friend, we are falling apart because of the pressure of the process. And God said, oh, wait. I'm going to start all over again. We don't need wobbling Christians. We need stability. You wobbling today? You said, man, I ain't prayed this week like I should. I'm wobbling a little bit. I can't take the pressure much anymore. I'm kind of wobbling. My old self came out this week. I, hope, I was hoping I was getting victory. And all of a sudden it came out from out of nowhere. And I began to wobble. And God says, let me take my foot off the wheel. And let's just start all over again. Anybody have any wobble moments? The potter never throws the clay away. John 18, 4. He said, I reworked it. You know that word reworked in the Greek is a great word. It's a lineal motion. Don't miss this. When it said he reworked it, it's a lineal motion in the Greek. 
It's a great word. I mean the Hebrew. I'm sorry. In the Hebrew. It's a linear motion. It means this. I'm going back to a point previously that I departed from. Now listen. Don't miss the point here. God's not saying he wants you to go backwards. He just wants you to get to the place where you wobbled off design. So you can get back on track. And he'll start all over again. That's called second chance. Amen. Y'all tracking this morning? God is looking to reshape you, remake you, reform you, and restructure you. And if you're like me this morning, as I was sitting in my office early this morning, you know what I said? Do it to me, Lord. Here am I. Would you rework me, reshape me, restructure me? You might be wobbling. You might be on the verge of collapse. But God says we can start all over again. Don't miss this statement. You might have been, but it's not what you were meant to be. See, the devil wants to keep you in what you used to be. He never wants you to get to what you're meant to be. Amen? Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Now in a large house there are not only gold and silver vessels, but there are vessels of wood and of earthenware and some to honor and some to dishonor. Therefore, that's a very interesting word. Why is that therefore? That's what he said. If anyone cleanses himself from these things, he becomes a vessel of honor. You ready for this? Meat for the master's use. Who doesn't want to be used by God? Amen. That brings us to number three. God wants to use your life in greater dimensions. This is from verse 5 and 6. Let's let the text speak to us. Look at verse 5. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel. Now look at me. Look at me real quick. In the Bible, most of the time when God's asking you a question, He's not wanting an answer. All right? Most of the time when God's asking a question, it's rhetorical. It's for your benefit, not for his benefit of information. God already knows what the answer is. He wants you to get a grip on what the answer is. Amen? So this, in verse number 5, if you're taking note, this is a rhetorical question. God's just asking this question just so he can get Jeremiah focused, get Israel focused, get you and me focused today. Look what he said in verse number 5. Let's look at our text. He's speaking to us. Look what he said. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Verse number 6. O house of Israel, can I not do with you as the potter has done, declares the Lord. Look at me. Do you think, do you think, do you think God is unable to do anything with your life? Do you think God can't shape you into what He Desires you to be. You say, wait a minute, Pastor, I wobble too much. And God said, do you not think that I cannot do with you as the potter has done with the clay? What is he saying? Do you not think I can reform you? Do you not think I can reshape you? Do you not think I can restructure you? Despite the wobbling, despite the inconsistencies, despite all the flaws and, and all the mistakes and a, and a tattered past, despite you becoming weary in the process, despite you feeling like throwing up your hands and saying, I quit, do you not think that I will not leave my hands on you to reshape you and give you a second chance? 
It's a rhetorical question. He's not looking for an answer. He's wanting you to answer it to yourself. And I answer that, yes, Lord, do it again. Yes, Lord, do it again. Yes, Lord, you can do anything. You're sovereign over the clay. You're sovereign over the clay. You don't need the clay's permission to work. You are the potter. We are the clay. Do it again, Lord, please. If I need a do-over, please do it again. I don't want to be just any old lump sitting on a pew, sitting on a church chair, going through the motions. I just don't want to be a lump. But I want to be what you see in me. Listen, quit living up to the expectations of people. Live up to God's expectations of you. Amen? Who cares what people think we ought to be? Don't really matter what they think. Problem with people is they want you to be like them. I'd rather be like Jesus. Right? We, listen, that's what you do. Now let's get into this real quick. We got, we, listen, we cannot become too focused on our own spiritual life. It's not about being a... Listen, don't miss this. Your Christian life is not about you being a piece sitting on a shelf. It's about being a pot that is serving. There's so many people that sit in the church and all they are is a piece of clay sitting on a shelf. That's all they do. You know, I've got a lot of coffee cups at my house. A lot. Why in the world do I always go back to the same one? They all drink the same, do they not? But I kind of go back to the one that's got what? Use on it. Kind of like it. Feels different. Coffee tastes different. It's got stains in it. It's got cracks in it. Why? It's used. See, I'll tell you something. God likes to use clay pots that have cracks in them and stains on them. Why? Because they've been used over and over and over and over again. He don't want polished plates. He wants what? Usable plates. Your Christian walk is not about you, loved one. I hate to tell you. The Bible is not about you. Your salvation is not even about you. I hate to bust your bubble. But we've made this thing so much about us that we have just about put God on the outside and left man as supreme and superior and sovereign on the inside. Worship's not about you. Prayer's not about you. Bible's not about you. Church is not about you. Preaching's not about you. God said, I'm making a vessel, but I'm not making it to be put on a shelf. I'm making it to be used. Now, don't miss this. God only wants to make a difference in your life so he can make a difference in somebody else's life. You say, well, I need God to work on me. Don't think he's going to work on you just to put you on a shelf because he will put you on a shelf and never use you. And that's not what you want. One of the things that's always been a a fear of mine as a preacher. And I've been doing this for 30 years. And one thing that's always been a fear of mine is God putting me on the shelf one day and saying, you know what, I can't do nothing with you. That scares me. But God is changing things. So God wants to not just work on Jeremiah. He wants to work on a nation. What God is doing in my life is not individual work, but it is the context of community. So what God does in your heart today it's not just for you. It's for somebody else. It's for you to reach somebody else. You know God wants to reach our whole community and He wants to use you to do it. 
Do you know God wants to reach our community and He wants to use this church to do it? And He said, listen, when I use you, you're going to have cracks, you're going to have stains, you're going to be flawed, but that's what I like to use. you got marks of the process on you. Amen? Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. While God is making me who He desires me to be, ultimately He's shaping everybody around me. He said, I want you to become a person of intimacy so you'll know how to what function inside of a personal relationship with other people. While God's working on my intimacy with Himself, He wants me to work on my intimacy with my other... Listen, we need to learn this principle. He wants me to learn intimacy with other people. While God is making me a person of influence, He wants me to be a positive influence. While God is making me a person of impact, He wants me to do what? Impact powerfully. While God is making me a person of integrity, He wants me to be a person that lives by principle. Do you know Job was a man who knew what pain was, who knew what pressure was, who knew what problems were? And this is what the Bible said about Job. There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. That that man was blameless. He was upright. He feared God. You see, Job was perfect and upright. He was a man of character. But listen, Job feared God and hated sin. Job lived with what? Limitations on his life. I will not do that. I am on guard because there's a lot of stake here. Why? What is it? Other people. I thought when I had three kids, man, the responsibility was great. Now that I'm going to have three grandkids, the responsibility feels like I've gone in reverse and I've got more responsibility now for a new generation. I want to influence them. I want them to see what it is to live a godly life and to one day give their heart to Jesus. You want to care what people think about us when they're around us because God is shaping you to shape others. In dimensions that you never thought about. That man at work is watching you. That person in school is watching you. I know you're a Christian. I know you believe Jesus. Do you live up to the name? Or do they see you fall apart and collapse and give in to the pressure and the process knowing that, man, I've got to, I've got to stand strong in this thing because there's a lot at stake here. So let me close with this. Are you resting? Res- I mean, are you resisting being found by God? Who wants to save you from a meaningless life you're living? Would you be honest to confess that, hey, I need to be found today? Some of you need to confess that I need to be found because I'm so lost and me running my own life ain't working. Which I know that's bad English, but it's just truth. It ain't, it ain't, how's that working for you? It ain't. I need to be found. Are you wallowing in self pity today? Playing the victim card? Wallowing in multiple mistakes. Oh, Pratcher, you don't know what I've done. You can wallow in that till the cows come home and it ain't going to make a difference. Why not get up and do something about it? Give it to somebody who can do something about it. Give it to somebody that kind of loves you just like you are. Amen? Here's, a, here's another thing. 
Is life putting pressure on you? And you're thinking about jumping off the wheel? And God said, man, we were just getting... Some of you walked into this church on the brink of jumping off the wheel. And God said, man, we were just getting started. And you're about to jump, jump off the wheel. Maybe you've messed up. Who ain't? Right? Anybody messed up in here this week? I want to see you here. Let's just be honest. You might as well be honest. We all have. Anybody in here wobbling? Feel a little wobble in your life? Man, things, man, I ain't got much, something, you just feel. Do you need a second chance? I do. Please, Lord, can I have a do-over? Do you need a second chance? Because there's so many inconsistencies and imperfections. What does God have to pull up out of your life? Some attitude, some habit, some hang-up you got going on? What has God got to destroy in you? Get up. You know, one thing that I want you to do, I want you to understand, when I study the potter in depth, he take a, he'll take a metal, a, a piece of, uh, of wire, and he'll rake it through that clay, and he'll hit, he'll hit something, and he'll pull and pull, until a stick comes out or a stone comes out, and then he'll take it and take it again. And he's take, and all this pile of whatever we got sticking out over here has come out of that clay, and he keeps raking it, raking it, raking it, raking it, raking it, and then hitting it, pounding it. He pounds it with a, a, with a mallet to make sure he gets all the air out of it. He pulls it, pulls it. And, man, that clay is just sitting there becoming supple and, and pliable in his hands, and he's got this pile of whatever sitting over here. And you know what? You and I have got a pile of whatever sitting over here that God needs to rake out of our life continually because he said oh yeah there, that, that clay's just right now oh yeah wouldn't it be nice to know that when God put his hand on his church he's like oh that, that's just right that's just I can make something of that now